to Women Worth Knowing, the radio program and podcast hosted by Cheryl Broderson and Robin Jones-Gunn. There are so many Christian women with fascinating stories, whether missionaries, musicians, reformers, authors, wives, and mothers. And their examples are inspirational to us all. I'm Cheryl Broderson. I'm in studio with a friend of mine, Rose Martin. Usually Robin Jones-Gunn is with me, but she's unable to make uh, this week. We Both Robin and I, sometimes we need just some time off. And so we're just taking a little time off, and I'm hosting today. But I'm so excited for you to meet my friend Rose. Now, she's a woman who has been all over the world, but her call to to go other places came a little later in life. So we're going to hear her whole story. So Rose, I'm so excited. You know I've been looking forward to this. Um, I wanted you to start with just kind of uh, the culture that you come from and kind of the beginning years of your life because um, I think many of the listeners will be so blessed because they come from similar backgrounds and to know all that God has done. Well, thanks for having me. Um, My dad was born in Mexico, and my mom was actually an American born abroad in Mexico also. So needless to say, my home life was absolutely nothing but Mexican, right? So um, I didn't even know what a hamburger was till I was probably in the sixth grade. I'd never had one because we always had tortillas and frijoles and, you know, always on the stove, fresh, freshly made. But uh, my parents were migrant workers, and we moved all up and down Northern California, Central, all the way down to Southern California. And I, from the first grade to the fifth grade, I went to six different elementary schools. Oh, my goodness. I remember one time you saying that your mom used to uh, make some of your clothes out of flower sacks. Underwear. Underwear mm-hmm. out of flower sacks. Mm-hmm. I mean. Because they were 100% cotton. <laughs> and it's a good thing she was a good seamstress, yes. too. <laughs> Could have been. Exactly. Uncomfortable. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So um, now what happened? Uh, how did life begin to change for you? Well, we ended up settling in Orange County mm-hmm. way back. I'm old in 1963. Mm-hmm. And um, it really changed a lot for us because my dad was able to go from the fields, right, to a dishwasher. Mm-hmm. I mean, a dishwasher. And he was a dishwasher at the Disneyland Hotel. Oh, my goodness. Yes, Mm -hmm. and he worked seasonal at Hunt Wesson uh, Foods uh, in the tomato factory. Mm -hmm. So, and then my mom heard about Leisure World one day, and she thought, you know, you need to apply to work there. And my dad really didn't speak English. We spoke only Spanish in the home. Mm -hmm. And I'm the youngest of five, so I kind of learned both of the languages kind of at the same time. So So your dad was, he had those... um, the seasonal job, but he went from the seasonal job to working at Leisure World. Uh, maintenance or what? Yes, maintenance. Mm-hmm. And he actually took care of the shuffleboards. And he did such an amazing job that oh, he, he went, went on yes. vacation for a month. All the people were furious because everybody else didn't do a good job. So they didn't like when he left. So, mm-hmm. And it was really a blessing because my dad had worked so hard. My mom, too, their whole lives, you know, out in the fields. And he finally got to, you know, he could get his job done like in three or four hours and then cruise around in his golf cart the rest of the time. So it was it was really cool. Plus, he um, he is so friendly and yes. lovable. Yes. Or, yes. You know, he's in heaven now. Yeah. So we're saying that. So 
you know, your culture. Now, could you tell, like, when you were in high school and going to school, did you feel different that your culture was different, or did you feel like I'm not that different? Or you no, know, I I actually felt. I read the Third Culture Kid book, right? And when I read that book, I thought I'm a Third Culture Kid because. You know, when I left home and I went to an elementary school where my brother and I are the only Mexican children there, you know, you felt different. And when Mm -hmm. you have a burrito for lunch and not bread, we're like, what's that? You know, but my brother was actually pretty smart. He started letting people taste his burrito and people he was actually trading his food. So he would take a lot of stuff and trade his food. (laughs) I'm like, how'd you get those potato chips? Yeah. But But um, your mom was such a great cook. Yes. Yes, she was. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I felt very different. So and then when we would go to Mexico to visit family, I was never Mexican enough Mm -hmm. because I, you know, I I was American Mm -hmm. to them. So and because I spoke English and Spanish, I I don't know. I just never fit. I felt like I never fit in. I wasn't American enough or I wasn't Mexican enough. But when I got into high school, I really didn't care. I'm like, hey, I'm Mexican, whether you like it or not. But my father brought us up to say we're American first. So I was really blessed by that. So now, how did you receive the Lord? Okay, well, I was uh, brought up a Catholic And I always remember, I made my Holy First Communion, and I remember always, like, wanting to know God. And so I had my little missalette, and I would read it every night on my own without being told. And, you know, I memorized all of those prayers. And uh, the place we had moved to, I'd met a girl. Her name was Mish. And she invited me to go to Silver Acres Community Church, where Carl Westerland Mm -hmm. was a pastor. That Mm -hmm. was his first pastorate. Wow. So um, I started going there and I was like, oh my goodness, these people open the Bible. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you people had a Bible on their laps. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I was just blown away by that. And I was so thirsty and I wanted more. So I kept going every Sunday. But then my mom said I couldn't go there unless I made my um, confirmation. Mm-hmm. So um I started going there, and the priest yelled at me because I brought a, bu- a Bible, and oh they took goodness. me out of the class. And I, when my mom picked me up, I said, Mom, uh, she goes, what's wrong? I said, well, the, the teacher kind of called me out of class, and they called the priest over, and they started yelling at me and telling me I couldn't have my Bible, and uh, why do I have a Bible? And my mm-hmm. mom says, you don't have to go there anymore. Wow. So I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Mm-hmm. So then Billy Graham came to— Southern California and our youth group, all three, five of us, went to uh, uh, Angel Stadium at the time. I think it was called Angel Stadium in 1969, September. And it was the first night of the crusade. And when he gave that call, I walked all the way down there by myself. And I thought, I'm going to get lost down here. But Mm -hmm. I didn't. And yeah, I accepted Jesus. And So, and, and then um, you started going to church regularly. Yes, all the time. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, you know, when I met you, I met you not probably too long after that. Right. You you um, had a Christian boyfriend, and you and he, I think, were teaching Sunday school mm-hmm. together even. So you were pretty involved. Very. I even. was here all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, and and not only were you coming, but you were also investing you know, in the church and teaching Sunday school. Um, and in teaching Sunday school, too, you really learn the Word of God, don't you? I mean, it's it's one thing to hear it, but when you begin to teach others, 
it really begins to become your own. Um, so tell me a little bit about how you ended up marrying Doug. Well, I was working with Doug. He was my boss. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was engaged to this other man. And um, I don't know. I just kind of felt like there was something missing, even though he was a fantastic godly man. I mean, mm-hmm. an all-round amazing, kind, sweet, intelligent, athletically gifted, musically talented, just one of those all-round all round kind of people. And I don't know, I just kind of felt that there was something. So I broke up with him for about a month, but we were still teaching Sunday school. So I kind of Mm -hmm. felt like, oh, my goodness, you know, I just felt bad for him. So I got back together with him, knowing I probably shouldn't have. And uh, and Doug and I started talking, you know, because Doug is 12 years older than me. So Mm -hmm. I never thought any and he wasn't saved. So Mm -hmm. wasn't a believer. So nothing was there that way. But um, anyway, so I ended up breaking up with Tom and then. One day, Doug and I were working late and uh, at work, and he, we were both leaving together. He goes, well, let me walk you out. I don't want you walking out to the parking lot by yourself. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay. So he goes, well, you want to go get a Coke or something? And I'm like, I know I'm only 20, but I do drink coffee. I'm Mexican. We're weaned on this stuff, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah. So we, went, we, started to, we talked till 3 in the morning. Oh, my goodness. Yes. And mm-hmm. I thought my mom's going to kill me because mm-hmm. I'm not walking in the door. Mm-hmm. Before 12 o'clock, even though I was 20 years old. But um, anyway, so. Now, did you lead Doug to the Lord? Is that? Yes. Well, he asked me one day, he said, you know, we kept talking and talking. And then he says, hey, you want to go catch a movie? Very casually. Because, mm-hmm. you know, he just thought she's too, you know, mm-hmm. even though he liked me, he knew there was nothing there because mm-hmm. I was a believer and I was a lot younger than him. But um, I said, oh, no, that's my Bible study night. I said, do you want to go? He goes, yeah. So he came and he walked forward that night. Mm. Mm. We were engaged within a month. (laughs) We were married three months later by your dad Mm -hmm. here at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, 1976. And it'll be 47 years this coming August. That's amazing. But after that, then um, you moved to the San Diego County. Yes. Um, did he have a job there? Is that? He actually got a job down in San Diego. Yeah, I told him. I was such a brat. I said, oh, you can commute to L.A. I said, I may move down to San Diego because I was so close to my mom. Right, you know, the right, Mexican right. culture. We got and together your dad. every mm-hmm. Saturday for breakfast and stuff. So, um, yeah, he got a job down underneath Coronado Bridge, and they put him up in Coronado for six months, and he kind of commuted back and forth. And, um, yeah, so we moved down there mm-hmm. and found a church. We went to Calvary Chapel, San Diego at first, and we thought, that's really far from Carlsbad. Right. So then we started going to Calvary Chapel in Sanitas. Mm-hmm. And again, um, you know, Doug's growing in the Lord, mm-hmm. really becoming strong. And he's, you're teaching Sunday school again with mm-hmm. Doug. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> the Sunday school thing. Right. And that's about the time that I entered your life. We had already been friends, and Brian and I went down to Vista, and you and Doug would come um just what, like once a month oh. just to visit us at, in the beginning? No, we started coming every, when you had, was it Thursday night and Sunday night we started coming. Oh, that was it, because you yeah. couldn't come on Sunday morning because you were committed. to school, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we didn't want to leave them high and dry until mm-hmm. June, so. Yeah, and that was a pretty small church yes. at that time, and boy, were you needed. And you were able to bring your administration gifts. I remember starting the women's Bible study there, and um, my first Bible study I didn't visit, there were two women. It was. It's a long story. It's because, um, well, 
I got in trouble with the ex-Bible teacher, and she, she told people not to. Well, I got in trouble with the ex-Bible teacher, and she told people not to come to the church. So that's part of the problem. <laughs> um, but I remember that you came, and we started doing um, the Joy of Living studies. Yes. And all of a sudden, we had like 40, 50 women to deal with. Mm-hmm. And you came alongside and began to uh, administrate and help form groups. And um, the Bible study kept growing and growing. And we've had a lot of adventures together. I remember you and I did the first Hallelujah Night, which is the Halloween alternative together. Yes. And we were putting masking tape on the floor, making up games as we went. But you were also in school at that time, just taking a few classes at a time, moving towards uh, a degree in education, which I think is interesting because you really didn't start your education in that way uh, till later. You know, right. you were married, um, you know, so you're in Vista and all that. And um, I want to talk about what led you to adoption, because that's also something a lot of women deal with barrenness. Right. And you had to deal with that. And how how was that? Because that's a hard one. Yes. Well, Doug had previously been married and um, he had a vasectomy. Mm-hmm. So, um, which was weird because she had been unfaithful to him mm-hmm. at that time, unbeknownst to him. So, when I married him, that's the other thing. When he had proposed, he was like, Oh my goodness, I have to tell you this. Mm-hmm. And he just, he didn't think I would marry him because of that. Because I always wanted five kids or mm-hmm. so. But um, and I remember telling him, That doesn't matter to mm-hmm. me, you know, I will marry you knowing I won't have children and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And which was totally the Lord. Right. So, uh, yeah, we were married nine years and he, he wanted children, mm-hmm. you know, and I told him, don't do it for me. Cause I, I didn't want him to do that for me. Mm-hmm. Right. I wanted it to be us and I was okay with it. I really, really was. So then when he was really saying, let's adopt, let's adopt. And I said, okay. So, um, we, uh, applied to the San Diego County uh, for adoption, and we filled everything out. We had an incredible, um, oh, I just lost my train of thought. Liaison, what they or they call them. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Social worker. Thank you very much, social worker. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she was great. Well, we got a call, like I think within six months, saying, hey, we have this two-year-old. So we went down to meet her, and she looked at my husband, Doug, and she put her arms up to him. He picked her up. And he was smitten, the both of them, love at first sight. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that's how we ended up. And I was in the middle of finals at the time, and I thought, Doug, we, we have to wait. We have to, you know, let's pick her up in a week or so. Well, we had her for the weekend, and we dropped off on Saturday. Monday, Sunday night, we were so, like, sad and depressed, and we wanted her back. And so we called our social worker, Yolanda. We said, we... We want her. Like, when can we get her? And she's like, okay, well, let me call the home. And, and so we picked her up the following weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just remember um, her coming in and with her hair French braided with these huge bows and just, uh, you know, all the love that all of a sudden in this little girl who was unwanted in this home just poured into her, poured onto her. Mm-hmm. Just, and, you know, she, she come from a, a home that was difficult mm-hmm. and she had, um, she was hyperactive, but you know, the Lord prepared you for that because you're hyperactive. <laughs> you know? So you, you adopt and then you continued. Uh, and I think this is really um, inspirational too, because 
you continued your education, although uh, it was slowed down, mm-hmm. you just were so consistent mm-hmm. and continued until you um, got your teacher's, uh, You well, you got your degree, your bachelor's, mm-hmm. then you got your credential, and then you got your master's. Mm-hmm. So you, you just kept going, which mm-hmm. I, you know, so admire. And then um, I'll just say you began to teach in the public school and you became a reading recovery specialist. Right. right. Which, I mean. Well, you and I taught our first year together at that's the right. private school. Yes. 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 And then I taught actually bilingual education. Which that was a God thing, too, because I never really studied Spanish, but I I worked really hard to take the test, which is super, super difficult to be able to be a bilingual, to be certified as a bilingual teacher. So that was a God thing, too, because mm-hmm. I actually passed um, college level reading and writing, which I, that was not me. Mm-hmm. That was totally Jesus. Mm-hmm. So, and, and even though you can grow up in a Spanish speaking right. home, it doesn't you don't know how to spell it or. You don't necessarily read it. You know how to right. speak it. And right. That's a different world. I never learned to read or write it. You're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Which is incredible. So um, you're living in Vista. And, um, you know, you and I are, are friends. And the ministry is growing in Vista. The church is getting really large. And Brian, who is your pastor and your friend, and with his wife, Cheryl, who is me, <laughs> um, get up and announce that they're moving to England. And your parents are really involved in our church by this time. They've moved down. Um, they're with you. And I think that was actually just kind of a an interesting transition point for even you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Oh, man, when we caught wind, because you weren't telling anybody yet, you caught wind. And we caught wind of it. And I go, oh, Doug, I know she's moving to London. I know. Mm-hmm. I know she probably can't say anything, but I know they're moving as missionaries. And, you know, I think that was just such an incredible example to people, you know, to see that you and Brian had this flourishing church, healthy, Mm -hmm. beyond belief, incredible. And then to just say, I'm out of here because God's calling me here. And um, I think that really ministered to a lot of people. It's like. You know, many of us get stuck. I don't mm-hmm. care if it's, you know, um, in your church or in your walk or in your job, but we get stuck. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, um, what was his name? Bill Clem. He was talking about, you know, don't be discouraged. Don't be afraid to to allow God to move you forward and, and out to something that you would never imagine. And, you know, um, you owned a home. We owned a home. Yeah. And I mean, it was a bunch of junk. Yeah. And they were they were great homes, but suddenly, you know, this call comes. So I know, you know, we rented our house out. We moved to England, but you begin to visit me mm-hmm. in England and something began to stir in your heart. Mm-hmm. So, and, and at the same time, um, was this about the time that Doug stepped down from his job too? No, what actually happened was he got this incredible job um, as a CFO at a startup company and um, it was doing really well, but the president of the company had asked him to do something that was somewhat um, shady. Yeah, very shady. He probably could have gone to jail for it, or prison, but um, he wouldn't do it. So he emailed the other president uh, of the parent company saying, I'm being asked to do this. I don't feel like I should. It's it's mm-hmm. not right. And uh, it's illegal. And so he didn't do it. So the pres- his 
president came in the next day and said, um, your last day is Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And we were in shock. But God used that to move us in our next steps. So, mm-hmm. And then, too, was it about this time, had Doug had his heart attack yet? No. 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 Okay. But you're, so now you're thinking about the next step. Now I'm panicked. I'm like, yeah, okay. we have this humongous house. Mm-hmm. You know, my parents are in a granny flat next door, so we're taking care of them financially. And it's like, ooh, how are you, you know, how are we supposed to support ourselves? So. Mm-hmm. Okay. And were you still living in your um, large house yes. when your dad passed away? Yes. Okay. And that was pretty traumatic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, just a little bit. He... He was driving. Your dad was so healthy, so fit. Um, I mean, people can't imagine. He was such an evangelist, too. Mm-hmm. Just a great guy. And he got hit by a car. And he Christmas goes to Eve, he was taking money to someone. Mm. And he gets hit by a car, mm. goes to the hospital, and they, dis- they, dismissed, him too, they uh, dismissed him too soon from the hospital. Yeah, he actually had a hematoma in his brain and they didn't realize that. So they had to do surgery and then he aspirated and kind of affected him. Long story short, three months later, he went to be with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was also, I mean, because I think had your dad lived, you know, your dad and mom, you were so connected, you never would have left um, Vista, San Diego County, or even California. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been tough. It would have mm-hmm. been, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so God was already doing. So tell me a little bit about kind of the stirring or the the discontent, kind of just what began to prepare your heart to leave. Because you guys made a big transition, which we might not get to the full big transition this program, mm-hmm. but we will definitely next. Okay. But um, tell me a little bit about the stirrings or how you knew that something was going to change. Well, I think it was the second year. You were in London for four years, right? right. I think it was the second year. I think it was um, somewhere around 2000, 1999 or 2000. Uh, I was, you were visiting Vista, and I said, hey, Cheryl, I was thinking about coming to visit you in November. And she, you said, oh, no, I'm going to be, I'm not going to be here. I have to do a speaker's week, uh, speaker's week at the Bible College in Austria and a retreat. And then you said, uh, oh, why don't you come with me? And I said, I don't want to get into your family thing, you know. And Brian goes, no, go with her. She's going by herself. So we went to that retreat in Germany. Yep, yep. That was Up in the Alps, which was amazing. Yeah. On Hoida. Yeah. Hoida. Oh, yeah. Which is joy. So, and then we went to Speakers Week at the Bible College. That absolutely changed my life. I was like, oh, my goodness. I never really, you know, I, I knew about missions. I knew about missionaries. But being there just did something I mean, the Lord just captured my heart for missions. And and then when we went back, you said, oh, you've got to come do the crafts for Austria, for the women. You know, I want them to have something. And then Doug and Rob Nash. And that was going to be the summer. Right. I said, come back because right. that's our missionaries retreat. Right. right. Or, you know, we call it refresh now. Right. That was the time when all the, the church leaders actually right. came. Before it was the students at the Bible right. College. Right. Now this is church leaders. Right. And it's from Russia, from right. all over the world. Yeah. Ukraine, every place. Right. Everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then um, Doug, uh, dis- uh, they decided to take the recordings and make CDs of the whole conference. So that was kind of his job. But that changed him, too, and changed us. And then that summer we had, you know, Rod Thompson going, hey, why don't you move here? And, and uh, 
couple of years later, I meet Rafael because we kept going every summer. Right. And Rafael um, was like, hey, why don't you come to Mallorca? And other people, hey, why don't you come here? And we're like, oh, no, 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 we don't. We don't go. We just sit back and we support in any way we can, you know, thinking that there's just no way God would use us that way. Because, again, too, you know, Doug, you and Doug are older. Right. And a lot of people don't consider it because of their age and they're thinking, oh, and also, you know, you own a home. You're taking care of your mom. My mom, right. There are all these Alzheimer's at that time. Yeah, right. And there are all these things that kind of like, Lord, it couldn't be me. But I think it's the stirring inside us that won't go away. Mm -hmm. That nope. Nope, nope. Mm-hmm, there's mm-hmm. this stirring, and, and, and there's stirrings of discontent, but it's a good discontent. Yeah, and it's excitement too. Mm-hmm. It's like, and and yet, you know, it was like, really, Lord, like you want us to do do and go, and it's so good. So we're gonna come in because Rose and Doug are actually gonna go, and we want you to join us next week for part two of this episode of Women Worth Knowing with Rose Martin. Thank you for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Robin Jones-Gunn. For more information on Cheryl, visit CherylBroderson.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. For more information on Robin, visit RobinGunn.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. Join us each week for a lively conversation as we explore the lives of well-known and not-so-well-known historical and contemporary Christian women. If you think there is a woman worth knowing, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at WWK at cccm.com. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you rate us on your podcast app, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Thank you again for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Robin Jones-Gunn. Women Worth Knowing is a production of Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa.